Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Awesome, bless you. Hey, leaving this snazzy folder here. Great. Evening, everybody. Lovely to be with you. Um, tonight, I'm going to talk about actually something that was uh, something really God spoke to me about quite a while ago. It's been a, a journey, if you like, over a few years. And um, yeah, it's when, you know, when, when you know when something just gets under your skin a bit and you sort of get a little bit of a that sort of holy irritation. You just get a bit annoyed about something. So you think, I've got to have to, I have to think about this a little while. And, um, and so it's been a bit of a journey on that. Anyway, um, the British language is full of some classic little sayings, isn't it? We all have these little sayings, and some of them make absolutely no sense whatsoever. I was thinking about a few earlier, like the bee's knees. I have no idea why something's the bee's knees to you. No idea what bees' knees look like and why they're so great. But anyway, the bees' knees. We've got things like um, right as rain. Now, anyone who's just walked through the rain won't think that's right. Um, in fact, in Britain, the rain is rarely right. Maybe in the desert. Maybe they come up with it somewhere. Someone in some Middle Eastern country that came up with that saying in English, which makes no sense at all. But anyway, you see what I mean? They don't make any sense. Um, and it's the same with a whole bunch of other things. Believe you me, I have no idea what that means either. Total gibberish. Um, and we have godly ones as well, don't we? We have Christian versions of them, which is like cleanliness is next to godliness. God helps those that help themselves. Those sorts of things. I've written one or two down. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. I love this one. <laughs> when God closes a door, he opens a window. Now, what does that actually mean? Like, as in, <laughs> is that so you can jump out a window I mean I don't even know what that's trying to say um, it sounds good and you go hmm hmm thank you I received that word but actually um, that's the sort of thing and I'm the sort of person that hears something and goes that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so then I go and think about it and get myself in a right tiz about it um, and one of those things that sort of started this little irritation in me a little while ago was when people would say all you need is Jesus you just, you just need Jesus. All you need is Jesus. And in some way, I agree. But in another way, I'm like, ah, I don't know. It just doesn't, just doesn't seem like that's quite right in, in, in the way that people imply it, or even the context, perhaps, more accurately, that people say it. Now, let me just say right from the very start, um, when we ask this question of, do we need something more? Than Jesus. I totally, 100% believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, the life, and the only way to the Father is through me. So about salvation, 100%, it's all Jesus. He does everything. He's our source. He's my redeemer. He's the lover of my soul. His love for me never, ever gets tired. And when I was thinking about this thing of like, all you need is Jesus, 
saw one of the verses that came to my mind was one in Philippians. I didn't actually know where it was. I had to look it up. And um, I'm rubbish at remembering where verses are from. don't know if anybody else is like that. I'm like, Jesus, actually. Actually, I kind of think I'm just a bit more like Jesus. Jesus just said it's written. So I just kind of use that one. It is written because I've got no idea where it's from. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Jesus did, by the way, but um, I definitely don't. In Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs. This is Paul speaking. The funny thing is about this is, you know, we all go, yeah, amen. Glory. But how? Anyone else sort of feel that sometimes? Great. But how? My car won't start and I'm late for work and you know uh, it's raining <laughs> right as rain um, <laughs> how it's the end of the month the bank balance is on zero the cupboards are empty it's getting colder by the minute how I've got a problem in my marriage I've got a problem at work how and I think this reason this little sort of phrase started to sort of irritate me a little bit is because I kind of felt like that sort of Christianity, of which I'm totally guilty of, by the way, um, which kind of just wants to give like some sort of little, little sort of feel-good, little catchphrase. Here you go, have this. I'll be on my way. That'll make you feel better. <laughs> That's my work done. Jesus will give you everything you need. All you need is Jesus. That's me done. Well done, Josh. Give yourself a golden star. Um, but actually there is a how how do these things happen how interestingly when Paul um, said this in Philippians what has just preceded him saying God will provide for all your needs is him saying for a couple of paragraphs thank you to all the people who had supplied his needs He's actually literally just been listing off and talking about the people that had provided for him, especially when he's in some really tight spots. So Paul's needs were met by other people. God's answer to our needs and questions are always grounded in a body. Even God's answer to salvation is grounded in the body of Jesus. The answer is incarnational. It wasn't just sort of some sort of whimsical out there concept and idea. We have a man who we follow who is crucified. Really. Really. A real person. It grounded. And his strategy is the same. He now has us, the church, his body. God needs a body. God needs a body. In Galatians 6.2, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I love that. When we are carrying each other's burdens, in some amazing, miraculous way, we're fulfilling Christ's law. We're completing it, in other words. We become part of the answer. We become part of the solution. 
we shouldn't be surprised that we're the body because that's what the Bible tells us that we are. You'll probably know the, the verses in 1 Corinthians that famously talk about it. 1 Corinthians 12 says, now you are the body of Christ. Each of you is a part of it. It's that whole chapter where it talks about some people are an eye or some people might be a hand. We all have our different roles, but we're part of one body. Each person brings their own thing. We need to be the body. We need to be the body. You see, if our view of how God gets things done is that like somehow Jesus is going to do some magic somewhere and supernaturally do everything outside of us, we've got a pretty bizarre idea which doesn't really fit with anything you really see in the Bible on the whole. On the whole in the Bible, God chooses to use people constantly, consistently people. In fact, if our view of God is that, when we say all you need is Jesus, then we have a pretty freaky idea of who Jesus is. Jesus is described as the head. And so really, we've just got this kind of like head. Just like his bobblehead is bouncing around. That's Jesus. But we don't serve a freaky looking God. We actually serve a God who is a head and has a body. And we're it. That's fun, isn't it? Because a body is incapable of action. Oh, sorry, a head is incapable of action. Isn't it? Just by default. If just had a head sort of like bouncing around. Not that I'm kicking Jesus' head, that would be weird. Um, <laughs> bad action. But you get the idea that you need a body for action. A head can't really do a lot. It thinks, it directs, it has the conscience, it has the vision, it knows where it's going and how to get there. That's Jesus. And Jesus decided in his infinite wisdom, in fact, the, to quote the Bible, to make his manifold wisdom known, to do that through the body of the church. That's me and you. He excited. You get to be the body. Maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you're still not convinced that somehow we need more than just God afar, but we need God to touch through humanity. Let's think about Jesus for a minute. Just before Jesus was crucified, he went to this garden and he was there and he was praying. And it said that he was greatly distressed. He was super, super worried. In fact, the Bible describes that he was sweating, and he was sweating like blood. And so what does he do? Jesus gets his buddies. I'll read it. It's in Mark 14, 2, if you want to follow along. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. This is important. He said, he took Peter, James, and John, those were his three closest mates, along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with the point, to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible. You take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter. It's confusing, isn't it? That's because, he, anyway, he renamed him, but there we are. Um, Peter, he said to Peter, it might make more sense to you, but Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? You find that in Mark 14. Jesus, in his time of need, needed people. 
Let that mess with your brain just for a second. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, God Almighty, the Alpha and Omega, needed bodies, needed people. He needed people. Just to point out a few things, he was able to be vulnerable in front of them. He asked them to keep watch. It's a practical thing. Keep a lookout. We need people who are going to practically help people. In another, um, another gospel, yeah, he said he talks about asking them to pray. Could you not tarry? Could you not pray? That's a spiritual thing. We need people who are going to stand with us spiritually as well. Interestingly, he picked his closest friends. He, spe- he was specific in who he asked to go with him. We've each got different roles, different responsibilities, different gifts, different talents. God has placed us in different people's lives for a purpose, sometimes for a season even. Jesus was exactly the same. Another little example would be Moses. Um, there's a great sort of war going on. Joshua's fighting the Amalekites. I always think Amalekites is a great name. I kind of would like, if I had a son, I'd like want to call him Amalekite because I just think it sounds good. But then they were like the enemy, so then I get a bit torn. Anyway, that's the inside of my head. So um, there's this big fight going on, and Joshua's fighting the Amalekites. And uh, we're going to pick that up in Exodus 17. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. That's Hur, a person, not her, a woman that we're not without a name. It's the name of a person. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Yay, boo. Yay, boo. That sort of idea. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it underneath him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other. So as his hands remained steady till sunset, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And everybody says, hurrah! Interestingly, Moses, in fact, actually, I'll ask you the question. Who wins the battle? You weren't paying attention. I'll read it to you again after. Who wins the battle? Who is who gives the victory? Because we could say, oh, it's God. And you see, that's my glum answer to people sometimes. Just to let you in on what a bad Christian I am. That's what I mean sometimes when I say, you just need Jesus. I'm giving them that level of that story. God helped them win. That is true. That is true. But without Moses keeping his hands in the air, it wasn't going to happen. God was using a body. What's more, God used more than one. You see, Moses was involved in this supernatural fight against darkness that Joshua was representing the kingdom of God, fighting the kingdom of darkness. And when his hands grew tired, he needed his buddies. Anyone remember what I just said about Jesus? Somehow he needed something practical to sit on. So they provided a stone, just like Jesus, who said, I need people who are going to keep watch. They needed a practical solution. Then it was that spiritual side. People are going to get under his arms, hold them up. Let me tell you, I'm guessing, just putting it out there, thinking back many thousands of years, standing in the heat of the day 
underneath another man's arms for hours whilst he, <laughs> you know where this is going, um, is not going to be the most pleasant situation. Those aren't the things, you know, that's, that is the bog washing of the church for today. That is the, you know, that is the serving the Lord by scrubbing the bogs. That isn't the sort of woo-ha, giving it big licks for Jesus on the stage and getting, that is the, you know, I'm in the armpit of the prophet. Oh, thank you, Lord. The aroma, what a blessing. But God needed a body. And without those bodies, that war wouldn't have been won, despite the fact that God was ready to provide the victory. Recently, I've been um, up in the hills. I do this uh, thing called Extreme Character Challenge. And it's basically taking a, a whole bunch of men and we go off, uh, it's about 100 guys and it's, and it's a character challenge. So it's, uh, it, it's meant to be difficult. And it's a, an adventure for the body, mind and soul. And we sort of go on this trip and it is deliberately hard because it's trying to break something in us a little bit uh, and, and reveal some of the weaknesses that we have and get to a place of vulnerability, which with guys, sometimes a physical part of that is quite useful. Anyway, um, this was just this week, and um, they got to a stage where um, some guys are just struggling. Like, we've got to get over the top of this mountain and back down a bit to the other side to make camp on one of the days, and it is hard, hard work. And by the time some of them were getting there, they weren't they were barely able to walk, to be honest. We had a few people totally unable to walk, in fact. Um, and what ends up happening is these guys are in teams, and what happens is in these teams, they start taking their bags for them. They start emptying bags and sticking stuff in their other bags. And so you see these blokes, sort of legs like jelly, sort of making their way up these hills and down the other side. And they do so unburdened because somebody else has carried their rucksack, has carried their burdens for them, literally. Um, very, very literally. One of these guys I know loves Jesus, loves Jesus, a really beautiful man, believes that God is able to do all things, believes that Jesus is enough, but he wasn't going over that mountain. <laughs> unless somebody was helping him carry his bag. The end. <laughs> somebody, somebody had to be there. We were going to have a little video clip, and it's a uh, little clip from a film that I'm obsessed with, or set of films that I'm obsessed with. Um, if anyone ever heard of Lord of the Rings? Any Lord of the Rings fans? We have a few here. Geeks unite. Um, so, um, this, if you've never seen Lord of the Rings, a, I'll question whether or not you're even saved. But um, <laughs> no, but really, it's um, it's just fantastic. But there's all these sort of Christian analogies and imagery and stuff in it because the guy who wrote the books is a Christian. Anyway, there's this bit in this book where uh, the main um, character is a guy called Frodo, and he's been carrying this ring, and this ring represents evil and a burden, and it starts to actually, around his neck, this necklace starts to chafe into his neck as he's trying to carry it. And he's been on this massive 
just galactic adventure across this whole world to get to where they can finally destroy the power of this ring. And it's almost like the end is in sight and Frodo's absolutely done it. He just can't go any further. And his mates with him, this guy called Sam, and um, <laughs> hooray for Sam. And, um, and through the events of the, of, the, of the films, you realize that Sam's once tried to carry this ring for him before, but can't take the ring because it starts to affect him. And so he says, he turns to Frodo and he says, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. And so he picks him up and he makes this and the music's great. And I'm like holding back the tears every time I watch it. I'm like, oh man, God, stop. And, um, but it's a beautiful image as he carries Frodo up this sort of last bit of the mountain into where they can destroy the ring. And this is a very long-winded way of me getting to the point of what Jesus has been talking to me about over the last few years when it comes to this whole idea. Jesus didn't carry his own cross. Jesus couldn't carry his own cross. Now again, if you want to have your theological head mess with for a minute just think about that that's a fact that's in all that's in th both all three of the synoptic gospels he couldn't carry it a guy called simon did the savior of the world god incarnate all powerful yet he sets him aside as we know when he took on flesh he needed a man to fulfill his mission now I don't want to press that too hard because you can get yourself lost in a go down a rabbit warren which you'll you know you'll find a giant bunny and it all get really weird but um, there is something in there that Jesus couldn't carry his own cross and if Jesus couldn't carry his own cross what chance have we got of carrying ours? What chance have you got of carrying some of the burdens, some of the things that happen in your life, some of the trials, the tribulations? You see how silly that is? I just think about myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty dumb sometimes. If Jesus couldn't carry his cross, there's a good chance I'm going to struggle. And so someone, somebody, came and helped. Now, don't get me wrong, God is in control. That person was called by God and they were fulfilling a part of God's design and, and, and intent for their life. But it's still grounded in somebody. It's still grounded in somebody. There is a world of people out there, and there's a whole bunch of people in here who are struggling to carry things. And we all need some bodies. In fact, no, I'll say that better. We don't just need some bodies, we need the body. 
we need the body of Christ. That's me, that's you, that's Tom, that's Kathy, that's Zoe, that's Rory on the back. We need the body. We need each other to ground, to use a sort of a bit of biblical language or theological language, to make God incarnational. That incarnational part of God, to make it actually take on flesh and blood and help when the car won't start. <laughs> when we're struggling to pay the bills. Because when you're struggling to pay the bills, the stories I hear, and I hear them regularly enough, is that somebody just suddenly gives a generous gift. I know when it comes to people on their journey of faith. We just heard about a few, a person who received Jesus in the last few weeks when the guys were out on the streets. The body of Christ was out on the streets. All they need is Jesus. Yes, but they need all of Jesus. They need his body too. We need the body of Christ. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's not enough if we just have this idea of the head, though. We need all of Jesus. We need his body, too. We need each other. We need me and you. Did that kind of rhyme? I thought it did. Poet, and I didn't know it. Um, but you get the point. Are you with me? You've all gone quiet. I don't know if you're sort of like thinking, yes, Kathy, you're right, he's a heretic, we'll stone him after. Or if you're kind of going, hmm, he's got a point, this guy, maybe. Yeah, we're sort of, there. yeah, good. Okay, cool. So that's my, that's my proposition. That's the, the, the irritation. You know, I said about I have a holy irritation with the idea that Jesus is enough. What I really meant was I have an irritation with myself and the silly way that I will say that kind of getting myself off the hook to do anything about it. That's what I really mean. I've tried banning myself when I, I do a lot of things with men's ministry. I've tried banning myself from saying, I'll pray for you or something like that. Because most of the time, and this isn't to undervalue prayer, it's a complete waste of time and it's a complete get out from my part. Because normally they need help. And I'm the body of Christ. I'm a part of his body. You know, when Jesus said, go, in the commission, he said, go. It's your feet that he was talking about. Right? Where are his feet? When he said, lay hands on the sick and see him recover, our hands. We are his body in action. We get to be the answer to the world which is mad I just think about myself I'm like God you must you must be joking I, you know I am such a mess up most of the time but for whatever reason God has decided to make himself known to the world through the body of his church we're it and let me say as well there isn't a plan B there is no plan B or team C. In joke, sorry I shouldn't say that. But there is no plan B. 
that there is not another idea. We're it. Sometimes like when we get into the, I've got two minutes, so I'm going to run for two minutes. Is that okay? You know when we start talking about revival? <laughs> you know when we start talking about revival? I get excited. I'm like, yes, come on. Let's see the nation change. Let's see the nations change. I want all the people I know and don't know to come to know Jesus. I want to see heaven bursting at the seams. I don't want to think anybody going to a lost eternity. Because that's what it means. Just to remind ourselves, people who are not in heaven aren't, are not somewhere good. Whatever you think of hell, not being with Jesus is bad, right? Yeah, we agreed? And when we pray for revival, we sometimes have this idea that God has this ace up his sleeve. He's holding something back for a big ta-da! Hey, this is the thing you've all been waiting for. Now we're going to sweep everybody off the streets and just flood them all into the church. It is not happening. We are the plan. When God, when God filled us, when God filled us with his spirit and commissioned us, we're it. Revival is a move of us, not a move of God. You'll hear me say that all the time. It's God mo mobilizing his church, the body, to see people saved. You get to be a part of it. I get to be a part of it. Can I encourage you, church, just have a think, just even now, who are the people that God has put in your life for you to be the body to? Who are those people? The people that maybe are like, oh, do you know what? They've got smelly armpits, a bit like Moses. My experience is that sometimes God doesn't give us the easiest people sometimes to work with and to help and to be his body too. And that's great because it kind of helps me be, helps round me off a little bit, helps out pointing out maybe all the, all you know, just another one of my many flaws when I'm running out of patience with somebody or whatever. But God asks us to be his body. Jesus didn't carry his own cross. Somebody helped. We don't just need Jesus. We need all of Jesus. And Jesus has a body. And it's me. And it's you. I'm going to have to have some time in, once we've had a um, chance to worship and sort of just let God speak to us. I'm going to have a time for us to think about maybe who God's calling us to reach. Who's he calling us to be the body to? Very importantly, we're going to have the chance to be the body to each other. If you've got problems and pains and hurts and whatever it is, mental, physical, whatever, we want to stand with you, pray with you, help you. And I have a feeling that some people here are thinking they can get through life, even get to heaven, by carrying their own cross. You can't. Jesus already carried it for you. He was that someone when it comes to your salvation. I'm going to hand over to Kathy who's going to lead us. Just think about those things. Bless you.